This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes. Welcome to another edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast, which I admit has featured a lot of wrestling talk, mainly because wrestling is still going on while the sports world and everything else around the country has stopped Vince McMahon and Tony Khan press on. So today on the Evan Roberts podcast, we will do a WrestleMania recap. I have done instant reactions, but that was in the moment to WrestleMania. So there has been some days to kind of let it marinate the post WrestleMania world. We've had a Monday night raw. We've had a SmackDown and we respond and react to Ronda Rousey and whatever she's been doing the last couple of days on the internet. Joining me to do so is Dennis Holden of Dennis has a podcast at Dehab show. Dennis, how is your quarantine life? Doing okay, man. Uh, watching way more video game uh, simulations than I would have ever realized, but doing pretty okay otherwise. Can we spend a minute on that? Please. Before we get to wrestling. I have tried, whether it was the NBA Players League <laughs> or it's Gary Keith and Ron doing a Met game or it's the Baseball Players League. I've tried, and as much as I used to love playing video games, and I probably have told friends or ex-girlfriends, hey, watch, the, watch these few <laughs> innings of me play MLB The Show. It has to be one of the most boring things to do possible. I was, when did Garrett, Keith, and Ron do it this week? Like on Wednesday or Thursday? I was actually playing the show on, on my TV and then had my computer up, and I caught like you know the third or fourth inning, and I'm like, oh, let me <laughs> give this a shot. And Keith's doing Keith stuff. Ronnie's being awesome. You know, Gary's incredible. And the, the show games are like 45 minutes long. Uh, and I was captivated for the half an hour or show I but, watched. But that's different. That's different. I mean, yes, Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling are entertaining guys. Mm-hmm. And we miss their voices because there's no baseball. But I'm talking about the actual video game play. That's the part that sucks. Well, I, I'm, well, you can tell, like, on the SNY feed, I think there were, like, 1,500 people watching with Gary, Keith, and Ron, and they're doing one today with the, you know, the play-by-play in the game, and there were, like, you know, d- double digits, less than 100 people watching. So, obviously, the big <laughs> selling point was, was the guys doing the call. Yes, yes, that no, no question about it. But, look, I commend SNY, I commend ESPN, I commend MLB, any attempt to give us entertainment during this quarantine life is greatly appreciated. Um, I feel this same way about WrestleMania as I did in the moment. I did two instant reaction podcasts after night one and night two. You gave me a lot of crap, and a lot of people did, (laughs) for being honest, in disliking the Undertaker-AJ Styles movie that they passed off as a wrestling match. I've tried to reconsider it. I actually watched it again. I don't know why I did that because I'm an open-minded guy. I'll tell you a week later, it sucked, bro. What am I missing about that? So, but you like the Firefly Funhouse, so walk me through your thought process here. Okay, all right. Here, here are the differences. The Firefly Funhouse was not a wrestling match. It was 
one giant binge, I got to admit, an acid trip, as a caller suggested on the radio this past <laughs> week, touched on a lot of cool things. It touched on the history of John Cena. It made references to this alternate universe where he turns heel. And it was just really, really entertaining. But here's the big difference. And I think the reason why I like that, but didn't like the other thing, it wasn't a wrestling match. The other one, they tried to make it as if it was wrestling, you know, bumps, violence. And the truth is, it was a really, really bad movie. That's what that's what it was. And I say this to you because I know you're a WWE guy more than than other wrestling companies. But if you ever watched Lucha Underground or if you watched the Matt Hardy TNA stuff or if you watched uh, some some stuff in Japan, the theatrical thing that's happening in the world right now, uh, it's entertaining. So it's something that's been done better by other companies in different venues. But for someone like. The Undertaker, who can't go with traditional 20-minute match anymore, probably can't go with traditional 5- or 10-minute match anymore. It was theatrical. And when he asks um, uh, AJ, you know, what's my wife's name? And, you know, uh, am I too old for you now? It's telling a story. And it was also ridiculous, kind of like uh, you know, Firefly Funhouse. If you go in with the expectations of, I don't know what the hell this is going to be, but I'm going to be prepared for anything. Yeah, the Undertaker teleports. There are druids summoned by uh, the OC for some reason. I don't know why uh, Gallows and Anderson have that kind of power. Uh, there's a lot of random things that happened. Um, it might have been you know a little bit longer. I think it was just shy of 20 minutes. But from Metallica playing him in, the Biker Taker, AJ coming in in the hearse of the Undertaker's music, I, I, I was entertained for 20 minutes, brother. I, I, I got to tell you, I couldn't wait for it to end. I, I, I mean, I really, really couldn't wait for it to end. And, and I was genuinely surprised. Not that, not that I think my opinion is going to be most people's opinion most of the time. But when that match was over and that closed night one of WrestleMania, and I did the Instant Reaction podcast, I was stunned when I was done recording and I posted it to see that so many people loved it. And I'm not saying you're all stupid or anything like that. I mean, maybe I'm the stupid one. It's just, I guess for me and for what I like about pro wrestling, I still like the sport aspect to it. I still like the idea that it's a competition and that there is some realness to it, even though we all know it's scripted. And that one just, that was just going too far. It's part of why I never was in love with the Undertaker character to begin with because I thought he was always over-the-top supernatural. I mean, remember when he died uh, after his loss to Yokozuna in the casket match? And he got teleported up? I never <laughs> liked that either. So I guess it's consistent with my non-love for the supernatural Undertaker stuff. And the difference with Bray and Cena is, again, I don't look at that as a match. Like, for example, I'll give you a great example. Please, If John Cena never wrestles again, if that truly was his last, you know, performance in a WWE ring, I would not call that his last match because I don't think it was a match. I thought it was really entertaining, so entertaining that I actually went back and watched it again because I thought it was so good. But I wouldn't put that as an official win or loss for Bray Wyatt and John Cena. You agree with me on that? I don't know if I agree. So I listened to the the recap where you made mention of Cena having lost like seven pay per view matches in a row or something like that. Um, That's I, right. I would consider right. that. I would consider this part of that losing streak. I just don't understand the disconnect between the Boneyard and the Firefly Fire because they're both not traditional wrestling matches. They're both entertainment, you know, 
unrealistic. And I mean, maybe you, you, the thing that that's hurting it for you is that the Undertaker AJ match was played off as more serious than the Bray Wyatt Cena match was. I think there was a little more winking, a little more, um, you know, shooting for it. I think you'd be, uh, agreeing that they were both pretty awesome for what they were. I just, I can't believe loving one and then hating the other. I, I just, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> All right. Well, overall, overall, and I know that we're probably grading on a curve because I think you and I and a lot of wrestling fans appreciated the effort, appreciated that in a time where there is no live sports, that they gave us something and they gave us about six and a half hours worth of pro wrestling on a Saturday night and a Sunday night. Overall, did you like WrestleMania 36? Yeah, I did. Um, I was left wanting more on Saturday night, the tight, uh, three hours on Saturday, starting at seven, not including the pre-show, um, starting at seven, ending at 10 on the nose. I was like, all right, I was ready for a little bit more. Um, and then coming back on Sunday, um, it, it started off a little bit slow for me. I loved the women's match on top, but why did Alistair and Lashley happen? Otis and Ziggler didn't do much for me. Um, but overall I've found myself with these, these taped Raws and SmackDowns, and we'll talk about uh, the upcoming live Raw and SmackDowns uh, coming up, I'm sure. Uh, but I am loving the studio wrestling, and I don't know, you know, I don't know the WWE's financials. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they make a ton of money touring, uh, but I'm sure they also spend a lot of money touring. So if I were creating a wrestling company now, I would think about how much money I can save, maybe not touring as much, and doing some more of these small studio shows or smaller venue shows. Go back to Manhattan Center. Go back well, to well, these, well, like, 3,500-seat well, venues. Do these smaller shows and really kind of... Well, that's different. Mm -hmm. That's No, no. I, what I was going to say is it, it, I don't know how America is going to reopen. And I know that's, like, a different discussion, but it is sort of similar in terms of what this product's going to look like over the next few months. But I'm guessing that we reopen in a way in which at first, hey, you could have gatherings of up to 100. Hey, you could have gatherings up to 500 before we just say, okay, arenas are now opened up. And for wrestling, at least, I think a 300-seat you know, wrestling venue would be kind of cool because you would get the atmosphere back, which, look, the studio shows miss. And I think we all know that. And it adds you know, an awkwardness to pro wrestling. But this is the best that the situation that they can right now. They're trying to give us something. But I do agree that if you're talking about, you know, old WCW Saturday night kind of venues where there are people there, but it's not this monstrous arena. I'm with you on that. The studio show, though, is still not ideal. I mean, All right. one fair, fair. thing I noticed through the course of WrestleMania and even on Raw and SmackDown is you hear too much of the wrestlers. You hear too much of the bumps. And <laughs> It's kind of awkward in the way I hate to say it, it exposes it a little bit too much. So you kind of need the crowds, even if it's only 600 people in a bingo hall, which I'm OK. So you, you said that better than I was saying it. But, yeah, I would do like what NXT does. I don't know how big the performance. I don't know how many seat in the performance center, but. I th I think they would be better served by doing more of those shows more often where, you know, maybe you don't you know, listen, I'm saying something that's never going to happen, but maybe you do, you know, instead of doing raw basketball arenas that they can't sell 
out right now. You do it at like, you know, the mid, you know, the mid Hudson Civic Center up in Poughkeepsie or whatever these venues are that seat, you know, four to six thousand, whatever it is. Uh, and do those smaller shows. Don't feel like you have to feel kind of like what AEW is doing where they'll, they'll do like where they do the, the Bash of the Beach show where it's kind of like a different seating format and a different camera angle and wherever it might be raw they can be in san antonio they can be in seattle they can be in new orleans they can be in in cincinnati it looks exactly the same it's so homogeneous i wish they kind of mixed it up a little bit where you know what nitro went to the beach they had the pool around the ring and they went to yeah. uh sturgis and did cool. road wild and all this different yeah. stuff i, I wish yeah. that wrestling changed it up a little bit more and they're forced to do it right now but we'll see what happens on the other side of it all right, what was the best of the two nights? The best match of WrestleMania 36 was what? Uh, the triangle ladder match. Okay. Yeah, no, I thought that was very good. And I said something on the Instant Reaction podcast that was kind of geared towards you and many others, and that was the truth, and it's a cold, hard reality. Are you really going to tell me that Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon at WrestleMania oh 10 God. pound for pound is a better match than that? Yeah. You're really going to tell me that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> for for someone who's such a historical sports guy, and I understand this is sports entertainment, but for someone who has such respect for the history of sports, for you to not understand the importance of that, it's like no, those... I did. That's not true. That no, no, no. I'm not going to take that because I've acknowledged the importance of it. I, mm-hmm. of course, that's what I always say to you guys. Though I say yes, from a historical perspective, it's incredibly important. I'm just saying, forget that match pound for pound. All the ladder matches of this era pass it. That's all I'm saying. Of course, I acknowledge the importance of it. I acknowledge the importance of the greatest game ever played between the New York football giants and the Baltimore Colts. That doesn't mean pound for pound it's better but you're than all- maybe certain games in this era. But, but I get the importance of it. But you're also someone who is a story guy over the, like a spot fest guy. Because like you, you always say like you don't appreciate NXT because you don't know. There was go- a story for that match, no, but but. You, you don't watch NXT because you don't understand what's happening. Like there were like the starship peeing off the, off the ring post. There was Kofi springing into the ring, the her and Conrado off the ladder. Morrison walks across the top low, uh, top yeah. rope and does the Spanish fly. You're making my point. There's all these different moves that are ha- no, but uh, but it's just it's a lot of stuff more happening. It's more athletically pleasing. That's all but, I'm saying. Uh, That's you know it's funny. I'm making a point. It comes across to you and many others as crazy, but then you proceed to make the point for me. Of course, WrestleMania 10 was an important match and we'll never forget it. I'm just saying pound for pound when you compare it to uh, whatever. That's not the point. Um, I, I, I The di- disappointment that I had, and I know they were in a no-win situation, was Strowman just destroying Goldberg the way. He did. And there was a part of me in the match because my dad actually watched WrestleMania. And it's kind of funny to me that he did because my dad's an old old school wrestling fan. I mean, Bruno San Martino loved it as a kid, got me into it. But by the mid to late 90s, he's done. You know, he's, he's, he's a dad. He doesn't care about it as much. But he watched it, asked me for the login for the network and said, hey, just want some live entertainment. And he knew who Goldberg was. Like his old joke to me was, I know maybe 5% of the wrestlers. So he knows The Undertaker, <laughs> and I think he knows Goldberg, and that may have been the list. I don't know if it extended. And John Cena. Uh, I don't think it extended deeper than that. And he says to me about Goldberg, he said, did you think Goldberg was going to win? That was his question to me. Like, did you know he was going to get squashed? And I said, look, if Roman Reigns was wrestling, and we all know why Roman wasn't wrestling, no problem with it. 
if we knew Roman was wrestling, then yes, 100% Reigns is going to beat him. I said to you, and I said to many others, you know, if you can kind of delay it, you could have Goldberg win, and then eventually you can get the payoff that you were planning anyway by having Goldberg Roman Reigns. I guess the WWE figured there's no way we could do that. We're not going to have Goldberg on SmackDown, you know, every month or so. I just, I guess I didn't love Strowman, and now he's the guy, but this is a guy that lost the Intercontinental title to Sami Zayn a month earlier, and I just wasn't buying Braun Strowman as the guy to get the ultimate victory over a WWE Hall of Famer and Bill Goldberg. So maybe it was a part of me hoping that they would say, you know what, let's keep the strap on Goldberg for a while after he beat Bray Wyatt, of all people, in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know. I guess for a minute during that match, I thought maybe Goldberg will try to put him up for a jack a jackhammer but that would have gone very bad if you tried i have a couple of thoughts on this and you can lead me in the direction you want to go the both main event world championship matches combined lasted less than seven minutes that yeah. is a disaster an outright disaster the other part of it too is you know we'll get to smackdown this week you know i'm sure a little bit more fully in a little bit but i thought the whole point of taking the belt off the fiend in saudi arabia was that he wouldn't be in the title picture and then on smackdown he's immediately in the title picture and it's like what the hell are you doing like what well wait 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 hold on in fairness and let's get to that because Please. smackdown and raw further the storylines and let's go with braun strowman here's why this is happening, even if it makes no sense. Because the WWE thought Roman Reigns was taking the title from Bill Goldberg. And they were probably not going to put Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns together immediately. And they were going to give Bray Wyatt something else to do. I think because Roman's out, obviously Goldberg is out. They kind of figure, hey, we need some kind of storyline. And I got to tell you, maybe I'm dead wrong about this, especially before they get crowds back. I kind of think Bray Wyatt's going to get his title back. I, I think the WWE realizes that they really, and it's not all their fault, but it's mostly their fault. They <laughs> screwed up with what they did. They, they did. Now, they didn't get the ideal situation of having a mega WrestleMania with Roman Reigns getting the title and Goldberg's gone, and that's it. They didn't get that, so they had to obviously shotgun it. But I think looking back at the decision to take the strap off Bray Wyatt, they're realizing Boy, if we know, knew what we know now, we wouldn't have done it, obviously, with the way things turn, turned out. So I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that they're going to give him a mulligan, that I don't know when he's going to get the belt off Strowman, but I think he's going to take it off of him, and I think they're going to try to go back to pre-Saudi Arabia Bray Wyatt with him being this indestructible guy who happens to be the champion. I think that's where they're headed right now. Man. I, I think it's horrible because they put themselves in, in such a bad position with it where, you know, Seth Rollins does 12 stomps and Daniel Bryan has this really great match with them and doesn't get anywhere with it. it, it it's, it's writing yourself out of a corner story-wise. And I just don't know what the story is they're going to try to tell. I think that if he doesn't take the belt off of Strowman at the next, uh, you know, show at Money in the Bank, then I really have no idea what they're doing. So if they're going to put the belt on him on Money in the Bank, all right, then keep the belt on him for a while until uh, until uh, you're able to have Roman Reigns come back. But you, you can't have him lose in some funky way to Strowman and bring that out for a couple of months. You can't no. do that. So no. you either put the belt on no. him immediately or get, yes. him, get him the hell away from each other. No, I think he's getting the belt. I really do. Because I think that they think about you're a writer in the WWE room, okay? 
you have a plan that maybe we don't agree with, but the plan is, all right, we're going to get the belt off Bray. We're going to have Bill Goldberg as champion, and that's going to be the culmination of Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is finally going to get his title back. It's been over a year, well over a year, since he had to give the title up for health reasons, obviously, and that's going to be the culmination of Roman Reigns. Obviously, doesn't happen, okay? They have to call an audible right now. Who was taking the title from Bill Goldberg? It was a fair question two weeks ago. I suggested the idea of Daniel Bryan. Obviously, they're not viewing Daniel Bryan as a main eventer right now. So they said, all right, let's go get another monster. If we're going to have Goldberg drop the belt, let's have another monster do it. But all right, Braun Strowman's available. Let's make it him. He's a transition champion. Dude, he's a guy who's only champion because they had to think of something when Roman Reigns couldn't wrestle. So I think what they do is, and I think it kind of makes sense because you've made a comment, you've tweeted a few times, are belts now attached by magnets? And I know what you meant. You meant, boy, guys and gals have really long title runs right now. Look at Becky Lynch. She's had the Raw title for over a year. And you're 100% right. AJ Styles had a long title run. We've seen a lot of really long title runs in the WWE. And I think they're going to get it back to Bray Wyatt. And he's going to have it for a very long time to the point where I almost think he may have it till next year's WrestleMania. And that Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt match may be at 37. And I think they can make Bray the monster again and have him beat everybody. So are you really booking yourself into a corner, bro? If your plan is we're going to make him this beast again to make you forget that he lost to Bill Goldberg. Because I think that's going to be their goal now. I think the other part of it, too, is that they don't have the main event talent right now. Because if they didn't put, you know, uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt in the spot, you know, with Nakamura starting off SmackDown, I'm like, oh, you know what? I can I can get behind a Nakamura uh, uh, Strowman feud, even though they haven't used either guy really all that great. I'm like, they're both super talented guys. Like, I'd be interesting if they do that as a main, as a main event. But they don't have a lot of main event caliber guys right now so they're in a spot where if Strowman is I guess a face right now um like who are the heel guys he's gonna go up against like I think him versus Baron Corbin is not doing anything for anybody and other than that where else are they gonna go so they're also they're in not a, right exactly so they're in a, also in a, a a tough spot um talent wise uh with where they're at so it's just it's just, it's a unique circumstance in a variety of reasons, and I thought they were going to be in a spot where they'd ha- you know not have to be forced to you know do weekly storytelling, but they're doing yeah. it to themselves. So I, I don't know what it's going to look like. It's 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 interesting. I, I don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, and look, they're probably figuring it out as they go along. This was just my impression watching SmackDown. The more I thought about it, the fact that they went right to Bray. But, you know, they start off with, let's give you a little Stroman Nakamura. I thought for a second, hey, that could be the feud for the next month. And clearly it wasn't because they squashed Nakamura out of the way and brought Bray Wyatt into the picture. So clearly they're going to build towards Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman and just trying to use logic. I think that, look, maybe the first match they have is some kind of squirmy DQ kind of ending, you know, some non-legit ending. But eventually... They get the belt to Bray, and they could probably have that feud last for a couple of months. And I give them credit for this. I thought they did a good job of this with the Bray Cena stuff. I like when they bring up the past because we're not all stupid. We didn't all start watching yesterday. You know, when we did our Undertaker retrospective, we made fun of the fact that Undertaker fought Triple H before he fought him in two straight WrestleManias, and they never brought it up. They almost ignored the existence of their match at WrestleMania 17. I like the fact that they are bringing up the Strowman 
Bray Wyatt relationship. Um, I thought but his characters were hilarious. I thought that was the best part of SmackDown. <laughs> when when his his characters in the fly house, the fun house, whatever it is, is basically commenting on what they think of Braun Strowman. I think Bray is an incredibly entertaining character. I think he's one of the best characters they have. And I don't know if everyone else feels this way, but I'm kind of forgetting about the fact that he lost to Goldberg. You know, they had him, quote unquote, defeat John Cena. If you want to consider that a win, they put him right in the title picture. And so if you just start rebooking him as the indestructible force that he was, we're just going to eventually forget that he lost to Bill Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and I think they have to re configure the power of the fiend uh it, i i equate it to uh the superman cartoon of the early 90s that superman was hurt by bullets he wasn't you know killed by them but he felt the pain of it so with this fiend you know maybe it'll take three uh stomps instead of 12 to knock him out so uh, he could still be a very powerful character but i think by over powering him doesn't do it, it just it's hard to do anything if you can't do anything to him then what's the point of anything but if four power slams can put him out or whatever it might be if you power him but not overpower him then you can get somewhere with it but if they're going to overpower him and have no one mm. be able to touch him for a, a really long time then i think it gets boring pretty quickly but all that to be said he is a, a captivating character uh he is a, a wonderful storyteller. The, the, the Firefly Funhouse match on WrestleMania was incredible. Uh, and the SmackDown stuff was also very good. So he's great. But I, again, I, I, th- I think putting him in the title picture, um, there's a reason the Undertaker is only in the title picture from time to time. I think when you have that kind of a special of a character, let them do their own thing and kind of keep the, keep them away from the title as much as possible. Different world. Here, here's the thing yeah. about the Undertaker example. When, they had two titles. When we had the world title and the WWE title, the Undertaker spent a lot of time in the title picture. He may not have been champion the entire time, but he had a lot of WrestleMania matches for the title. He had SummerSlam matches for the title. He was very much in the title picture. The era you're talking about when he was a special attraction was a different world. It was the world of, you know, we've got four stars. We keep them apart forever. We don't run out of stories. We don't have three-hour Raws every week. And I think it was easier. I just think it was a much easier job. It's like saying Andre the Giant was never in the title picture, too, until WrestleMania three. Yeah, but it was a different world. And so that's the only thing. It's just it's different now. You've got two championships. I don't think they have any plans on merging the shows, especially with the big TV deal they have on SmackDown. So I do think it's a little bit different now. I want to jump to Raw because the, I, I was so – I don't know what the right word is. I wouldn't say disgusted. And that's probably too strong. I got to say disappointed. You know, Raw is selling you on breaking news after WrestleMania. <laughs> breaking news. And, and, look, my assumption is probably most people's assumption. Drew McIntyre got jumped by somebody, and there's your next feud. That, that's what I thought. All right, some bloody attack after WrestleMania. I thought I was in a time warp because – the breaking news they reveal is that Drew McIntyre is back in the ring 20 minutes after WrestleMania ends. Remember, he ended WrestleMania on Sunday night with his, you know, four-minute victory over Brock Lesnar, as you were referring to. He's somehow back in the ring doing an interview. For what, we don't know, because it wasn't posted on the WWE Network. So he's doing an interview, 
And all of a sudden, the big show comes out, the big show of all people, the challenger. Okay, right, it's still weird, but I'm like, all right, fine. They're setting up something with the big show. And, and then they have a match that they're playing on Raw as if it's on Raw, but it's at WrestleMania. So here's a question, mainly because I'm a giant, giant geek. If we're going to take that angle for, for what it's worth, was the main event of WrestleMania 36 actually Drew McIntyre versus the Big Show, Dennis? Because they fought at WrestleMania 36, even though they didn't air it until the Raw after. What the hell is going on? So Wikipedia lists this as a dark match. So I guess technically it is not part of WrestleMania 36. Um, it's, it was interesting because a lot of people uh, on the social medias are like, uh, they're not going to take the belt off the big, because the big show has the big show show on Netflix. It was like number three this week. People are watching it. So they're like, you know what? You know, the big show is not going to go and do the round. He can't go to like Good Morning America, but he could do Zoom. So if he's promoting the big show show and he has the big sparkly belt, like that's a story. People are like the WWE champion has a sitcom. So there were people like, no, they're not going to take the belt off Drew McIntyre. I mean, but they did just enough. I think it was only a, a six or seven minute match. They did just enough to make you think that maybe they're going to take the belt off Drew McIntyre. It didn't make any sense because as Drew McIntyre said, uh, why are you in your ring gear? Why did Drew McIntyre didn't do another full entrance? And apparently, uh, his, his, the storyline was that he, uh, got the belt place, uh, plates replaced with his logo. Um, so that was why he, you know, went to the back and came back, went to the back and then came out to the ring again. Um, it's, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense, uh, but there was an, a, enough drama to make you think, you know what? The WWE might be stupid enough to take the belt off him immediately. Okay, maybe I'm naive. I had no drama. It was, <laughs> it was never a thought in my mind. And I know about the Big Show show, which actually sort of looks, I, have, I hate to admit, somewhat appealing. Like, I may actually... I may actually give it a try. Uh, but, but by the way, I'm all, I, now I'm thinking about the Big Show show. Is that based on any reality? Because it's kind of, okay, so he's the Big Show, yes. and he has a family, and we have the laugh track. Like, is any of that based on his real wife and kids, or is it all completely fictitious? I know. I think it's entirely fictitious. So the, okay. the storyline of the show is essentially that he has a daughter from a previous marriage that's moving in with his wife and two kids uh, in Tampa. Uh, and Jaleel White is the gym manager. Uh, Jaleel White used to be Steve Urkel, so he makes an appearance. Um, and yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't think that it has any basis in reality other than I think he has kids. <laughs> Right. And I think he's retired, but I guess he's not retired because he's doing the thing. So, but yeah. I well, I, listen, when we do a WrestleMania main event retrospective, I don't know, man. I'm I'm pretty close to considering Big Show against Drew McIntyre the main event of WrestleMania 36 because isn't it kind of the same thing as WrestleMania 9? What's the main event of WrestleMania 9? Is it what? What is it? It is. It's Hogan Yokozuna. Okay, it's Hogan Yokozuna after Yoko beats Brett. He's challenged by Hulk Hogan. They have a match. Hogan wins. Other than 20 minutes and when they're airing it, it's the same thing. So I, I don't know. I think I need to set up a Twitter poll. <laughs> What's the main event of WrestleMania 36? I, I, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre, Big Show. I don't know, man. I was just writing some, I was just writing some trivia for a friend of mine who's another big pro wrestling person. And I'm like, I was thinking about doing a similar thing. Like, how many times has, 
the WWE Championship been defended twice at the same WrestleMania? And I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. So maybe the Twitter people can uh, give us an answer on that. <laughs> it's it's so stupid. I mean, that's the thing because we also know, and we have no issue with it based on the world we're living in, that they pre-recorded WrestleMania and they pre-recorded a Raw. They actually recorded all of it at the same time, if I'm not mistaken, not SmackDown. But I think they recorded raw. So then we're getting into that technical aspect of, well, if it was recorded at the same time, I, I don't know. Bottom line is I have a headache. Um, do you have interest in where they're going from here? Because it looks like they, they, they got their WrestleMania in. They gave you some ends to feud. You know, Edge defeats Randy Orton. McIntyre climbs the mountain. Their setup for the future is not nearly as appealing as it would have been if it was normal circumstances i'm actually most drawn in by the smackdown story um uh, the main event story that is with braun Strowman and bray wiley we were talking about but do you feel intrigued they are going to start doing these things live but are you intrigued over the next month of post wrestlemania programming right now uh, i'm a bit of a hypocrite because i don't love that they're doing uh live i think i don't love that idea at all uh aw has like weeks in the can i think they're good for about like four to six weeks or so i wish wwe was doing a similar thing you read about it and there's a lot going on in vince mcmahon's world right now um so i don't love that they're doing live but i'm gonna watch because there's not a lot of other stuff live right now like i'm i watched a lot of uh vintage masters this weekend and uh i I made mention of the video game uh streams i've been watching and uh you know so there's you know limited stuff to to kind of watch out there and you you want to keep up with it but i mean there's not a lot that i'm like you know what i want to see where they go with this um you know i'm i'm captivated by i'm captivated by edge's story uh his 24 on the network is absolutely incredible Um, so right. I want to see what they do with him. He's obviously not going to be there from week to week. Um, but you know, other than that, other than edge really, um, and you know, I guess Drew McIntyre, but again, it, it feels like it's such in such a vacuum other than that. Like, I just want to be, you know, entertained from week to week, but I, I, I just, I don't want them to do the long-term stories right now. I just, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess the, that's a long way to say not really. Yeah. No, I, I listen, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I, I don't think there's anything great. I think it's more I'm glad that there's a show, there's entertainment. I don't as a as a viewer I say this. As a viewer, I just don't think there's a difference between Raw and SmackDown being live or not. I used to think it was a big deal and I thought it was a big deal because when it was taped and there were people in the crowd, it was easy for spoilers to get out. The WWE did a great job of not one spoiler coming out of WrestleMania. Not one spoiler coming out of a pre-recorded raw so as a viewer i speak it doesn't matter if it's live or taped so i'm really not sure what vince mcmahon sees as the appeal of doing these shows live the fact that there's nobody there kind of takes away any risk of storylines getting out ronda rousey i want to bring her up because she's been making a lot lot of comments recently she's crapping on the fans then and i sent this to you before we started the podcast the comments she made about basically how fake wrestling is. I mean, just going off about how fake everything is, which, again, we know, we understand, we're wrestling fans, we know that the fights aren't real, but she said, if you didn't see it, (laughs) anyone who's outraged by me calling pro wrestling fake fights for fun has never been in a real fight. 
While you all are tiptoeing around bruising some pro wrestlers' huge, soft egos, no one is thinking about all the real fighters you're insulting when pretending pro wrestling is somehow on the same level of realism. Yes, I understand wrestling 300 days a year for years on end is incredibly tough on the body and a difficult profession, but you do know, you know what would happen. But do you know what would happen if you got in 300 real fights a year? You would be dead. <laughs> Which, look, what she's saying is true. But my opinion, there's no way she's coming back anytime soon. I don't look at this as a work. I don't look at this as, you know, even when she said the fans are ungrateful, I thought, ah, maybe that's a work. These comments are so real and so demeaning to pro wrestling, as real and as accurate as the comments may be that I don't think this is a grand plan. I don't think, look, we'll probably see her again. I'll never say never, but in the next two years, I use that as the cutoff. I really don't think we're seeing Ronda Rousey back in the WWE. Do you agree with me? I, I thought that this was a, a meme based off the, the podcast interview, uh, but I just reclicked the link that you sent me, and she actually posted this meme quote from her account. Like, she actually yeah. said this and then went and tweeted it again. Um, yeah, no, she's not coming back anytime soon. Like, yeah, no, I, I, no, she's not. I mean, it would be great because I don't know who else can take the belt off, uh, off of, uh, Becky Lynch at this point, but you're not paying, uh, Ronda Rousey, God knows how much money to, to, you know, come back in front of nobody, right? So, I mean, she's not coming back for at least six months and, you know, we'll see where we go from there. But this is one of those things that unless they're doing like some real, uh, work shoot stuff that I can't imagine them doing right now. I think she's, you know, she's a, a, an emotional person, uh, Ronda Rousey, and she made mention of the past, uh, like mental health issues, and you know, she's someone that you know speaks her mind, and if she feels a certain way, she's not going to tiptoe around that. And, and in some ways, I respect that, but uh, I think that this is one of those moments that she is just not. She, she I don't think she wants to be back right now, so she's not going to say anything that's going to put her back into the world. I'm just curious what yeah. what, what led to this level of. Uh, you know, feeling. And I thought that was interesting. I, I, I'm it's curious in context because it's out of context. I'm curious to context. It's, it's a shame because I thought she had a great year in WWE. I really did. I thought she was really entertaining. I, I thought for the most part, she was booked well. I mean, she is the reason and people may disagree with this or that it may be an obvious statement. I don't know what people think, but she's the reason there was a women's main event at WrestleMania. As popular as Becky Lynch was and is, and I give her a lot of credit, and as talented as Charlotte Flair is, I give them both tons of credit. It was Ronda Rousey's star power that brought the whole package together to be a main event of WrestleMania like it was at WrestleMania 35. And I thought her coming back and setting up a one-on-one -on -one feud with Becky Lynch was going to be epic. And... It sucks because I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, for whatever reason, it, it feels Goldberg-like. You know, Goldberg, I, I never thought Goldberg had a terrible run in the WWE. A lot of people think it was, but he was champion. You know, I thought he was really over at SummerSlam, and they made a mistake by not putting the title on him right then and there and instead having your boy Triple H get a victory. But a month <laughs> later, he was champion. And overall, was it the greatest run ever? No. Was it as good as WCW? No, but it, it wasn't a terrible run. You know, people talk about it like it was garbage. It wasn't. It was good. Ronda had a better run. It just sucks that clearly, for whatever reason, maybe it's the fans booing her at the end, which is, is fine. It's wrestling. Everybody gets booed eventually or at some point. It sucks that she didn't have a good experience because that's, you know, maybe I'm being worked into it, but 
I kind of buy what she's saying. I buy it's coming from the heart. And, you know, maybe they get her four years from now because Vince offers her enough money. But in this moment, I think she's, like you said, just saying what's on her mind. And I don't think it's a, a quote, worked shoot. I think she is pissed at getting booed by fans, which is crazy to me that that really affected her. Because that's okay. It's good to be booed. I mean, that's the, the best reaction is a reaction. Yeah, you know, no. the worst reaction is not to have any reaction when you're a professional wrestler. So it's kind of disappointing because I thought she was very good for the year she was there. I thought she was good for the year she was there. And if she ever wanted to come back to be a part of it, I think, you know, we would welcome it in open arms. And I think that, like you made mention of, like, I don't know if she came back as a heel, if it would work. I don't know if that's what she would want to do. I don't know if it would it would make sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think that. Uh, this certainly puts a pin into it right now. So unless we are being worked, and maybe we are, um, I just don't know if this is like the, you know, the time for like surprises like this kind of stuff. But who knows? I, I just I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. There's a lot of uh, unknowns right now, not the least of which this. At right, the next uh, podcast you and I will do together, wrestling related, I will eventually watch the NXT pay per view that yes. you told me to watch from the year. 2015, is that the year you're telling me? The 2015 NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, absolutely. Okay. okay, I will watch it. We will do a rewatch of that event, and we will break it down. I appreciate you joining me. You can, of course, follow Dennis at DHAP Show, and you can listen to Joe and I Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.